Exodus chapter 15 is a very interesting chapter. It comes off the heels of a great blessing. The children of Israel have left Egypt and they come and they come to the Red Sea. And if you remember correctly, God chose to lead them to the Red Sea. He did that uh, purposefully because he knew that getting them to the Red Sea was better than taking them through the land of the Philistines because God said, if I took them through the land of the Philistines, they would encounter war and probably be disheartened and run back to Egypt. So God strategically led them to the Red Sea, knowing all the while that he was going to have to perform a great miracle for the children of Israel. And God was a pillar of cloud by day and a fire by night. And he led the children of Israel and they followed the cloud and the fire. And God was a constant shadowing for the children of Israel. When they come across the Red Sea, we see two fantastic miracles. One, an east wind blows and the waters are parted. And the Bible literally says there was a wall of water on each side of the children of Israel. The second miracle is that God not only created walls of water, but he dried up the ground underneath their feet. That's a miracle, church. And they walked across on dry ground. And then when you come into chapter 15, you come into the praise and worship because because the children of Israel crossed safely through the Red Sea. But Egypt, the, the, the army of the Egyptians who were chasing them, was swallowed up by the Red Sea. God strategically delivered Israel and the deliverance that God gave to Israel swallowed up the enemy that had them bound for over 400 years. It would be the last time that they would see the Egyptians in, a, in that kind of manner. They would always talk about God delivering them from Egypt, but they would no longer look at the Egyptians and say, we belong to them. It would be the last time they would they watch the bodies of the Egyptians wash upon wash up on the shore and the chariots were stuck in in, the, in, in uh, at the bottom of the Red Sea and God brought deliverance and they began to praise. And rightly so. Christian, if you don't praise when God does something good for you, something wrong with you. You should praise. Your lips should begin to utter words and you should begin to speak it out. It's one thing for somebody else to testify for you, but it's something more powerful if you begin to testify. If you begin to praise him. I was once in Egypt's bondage. I was once trapped in sin, but now I am free. Let me praise you, God, because I was once this, but now I am not that. Let me praise you because you have swallowed up my enemy in the Red Sea of your blood. Let me praise you, God, that the cross of Calvary works for me. Let me praise you because praise is how you should give God all the glory for what he has done for you. God has done a lot for you. You should be dead. Don't you know that? You shouldn't be alive. Some of you, you should have been gone a long time ago. You should have quit a long time ago. It should have been over a long time ago. But you have reason today to praise him. You've been brought out. You've been delivered. You're in a, you're in a right frame of mind. You weren't there before, but look at you now. 
Look where you've come from. If you were to look back to the day you first got saved, to the where you are right now, it is night from day. Night from day, God has brought you a mighty long way. I like to tell people you need to go so far with God that going back is not even an option. Amen? And God brought such a deliverance that that they began to praise. And verses 1 through 21 is nothing but praise unto God for the deliverance through the Red Sea. And they gave God the praise. But isn't it fascinating how quick people can shift from praise to complaining? Because that's how quick the children of Israel went. It was three days time. On Sunday they were praising and on Wednesday they were complaining. Hello? They were giving God the glory at one point because God was good, God was strong, God was mighty. But now they're in a, in a place of bitterness and a place where the water is not even uh, something they can drink. And they are complaining about where they are. It took three days to change their praise. I'll suggest to you that there are many Christians that don't take that long for them. I've seen people not even get out the back door of the church before they start complaining. Hello? I've seen people complain on Monday when they were praising on Sunday. It happens consistently. So we ought not to throw stones at the children of Israel when you and I have the same problem sometimes. We need to be careful that our praise doesn't quickly slip into a place of complaining. Now look at what God has done for them. He has brought them out of Egypt. This, the path of deliverance is, not, is paved with such difficult obstacles. And you need to understand this. This is a story of deliverance. If you've ever been bound by something, you can relate to this story. If you've ever struggled with a besetting sin in your life, you can relate to this. Egypt is, is a place of bondage. When you are in bondage, you are bound. You can't get rid of it. You can't shake it. You can't get off of it. It does not let you go. It's a taskmaster beating its way into your life. Bringing you down into submission and unto its will. That is what bondage is. I've seen good Christians live in Egypt going to church. Say law. Amen. Bound inside their heart by something because they don't want to give it up to God. Or sometimes I've seen Christians who are trying to get free and the enemy doesn't let them go. Have you ever felt that, Christian? Have you ever tried to get the deliverance you need and you're like, that's it, I quit this. That's over for me. I've done, devil. You get behind me. And on Sunday morning, you put the devil behind you. And on Monday, the taskmaster came out and began beating you back into submission. You ever felt that way? I hope I'm not the only Christian in the house that's felt like that. That's what Egypt is like. But God brought them out of the continual cycle of being bound. He put Egypt down. He put plagues on Egypt and brought them out. Then God leads them through the Red Sea and brings deliverance through the Red Sea. And they praise God. And here they are now. This is the path of deliverance.
this. They once were bound and then they come to a place where they need God to do something mighty. Have you ever been there? That's the Red Sea. And then they come to another place. It's after the Red Sea. It's a place of bitterness. It's a place where things are bitter. Bitterness is such a secretive foe. Because you can sit in church and smile at my face and be bitter at me. So secretive. You can be worshiping God and praising the Lord and having a great time in the house of the Lord. And deep inside your heart is you are harboring some, some evil seed of bitterness. But you won't let it go. And somebody has wronged you or hurt you or offended you or spoke evil about you and done something wrong and, and attacked you. And so now every time you worship, you can't help but see their face in your mind because you got bitterness harboring in the heart. The outward appearance of Mara seemed to be wonderful. They came to Mara and there was water. Everything looked good on the outside when they got there. But when they got down to get a drink, they found that they could not drink the water because it was bitter. You ever seen people drinking from their own bitter waters? They got a nasty look on their face. They got a nasty attitude about certain things. Because they got that bitter water in their life. Somebody needs to tell them, hey, you need to let that bitterness go. I'll give you an example of my own life. My, uh, I was preaching a series of messages, I want to say probably a year, year and a half ago. And the title of the series was, Take Me There. And I was preaching through these passages concerning deliverance. And I got to this Part And I had preached like six, seven different messages and I got to chapter 15 and the bitter waters and I was preparing my message to preach on deliverance from bitterness. And at that time, during the course of this, my, my biological father came to visit me. And I have not had a great relationship with him. Matter of fact, he has not been a major part of my life even though I love him deeply. And he... He tries to pretend like there was never a separation, which wasn't working for me. And one time he finally came to me, and there, there was during this series of messages that I was preaching, take me there, he came to me and he said, you know, son, I know I have not been there. I know I haven't been the father I should have been. He said, but I don't know how to fix it. He said, all I want is a chance to be in your life. I cannot tell you what that did for my heart. I said to him, Dad, you got that chance and more. I'm glad you're here. I did not know that during the course of the series of messages I was preaching that God was leading me to my own bitter place. I did not know that God was bringing me to a place of deliverance. I had no idea. I was thinking I was ministering to you the whole time. I, had, I shut the series down. I quit preaching the series because I realized that whole thing was for me. That was all for me. If you got something out of it, 
That was just a by step, byproduct of what God was doing to me. I got to this message on bitter waters churned sweet. And I, Pastor Alan Pashano from Winslow, Arizona came to visit here. And he was here on a Wednesday night. I was scheduled to preach the next Sunday. I was formulating the message, this message that I'm preaching to you tonight. I was formulating this message to preach on Sunday morning. And Pastor Alan got up behind the pulpit and he began to read his text because he was preaching Wednesday night. And he read. Exodus chapter 15 verses 22 through 27 and he preached on bitter waters being made sweet and the Holy Spirit reached into my heart and grabbed this bitterness that I held in my heart for like 30 something years and he held on to it and said son you gotta give me this anger and this bitterness and this hurt and this frustration that you're harboring give it to me and love your father like I love him it was, it was a, a revelation to me. Pastor Allen preached and I sat over there and I was weeping through every point that he made. I was crying. I turned over into my chair. I didn't pray for nobody. I turned over and I wept and wept and wept before God as God was healing my heart from a bitterness that I did not know I was harboring. God was delivering me. All because bitterness festers in our hearts when we feel like people have treated us wrong. You didn't do right by me. You weren't nice to me. I've seen people get bitter over people not shaking hands. I've seen people get bitter because they, they, they don't feel like they've been, they've been loved like they should be loved. They haven't got the attention that they think they need. And you can get bitter real quick. Listen to me. You can get bitter real quick. I like what Sister Candy says about me. What did you say it was, Sister Candy? I'm, I'm a what? An airhead. That describes me so good. Because I have this one track mind. Sister Laura, how many times have I walked by you and not shook your hand? Can't even count them, right? I mean, just walk by. I don't do it on purpose. I'm not ignoring her. I'm not trying to. So Sister Laura's been very proactive. She sticks her hand in front of me. It says, don't forget me. And I go... Well, I've been trying to avoid you. Just kidding, Sister Laura. Totally kidding. And, she, and I shake her hand because she's caught on too. Pastor Bruce is an airhead. He's just focused and moving and not paying any attention. But I've seen people get bitter over this stuff. Angry over this stuff. And it gets in their heart and all of a sudden that bitterness turns to what? Complaining. Mm. Bitter people are complainers. Just thought you ought to know. They complain, well, that worship wasn't exactly what I thought it should have been. They should have sung some of them old ones. I like them old ones. Why doesn't Pastor Bruce get up there and start with worship like he always does? I don't understand why he didn't do that. 
bitter people complain about the dumbest stuff. The littlest things get on their nerves. The littlest things frustrate them because they're looking for something. They've lost the praise and moved into a bitter place. They're focusing on the circumstances here and forgot the victory yesterday. Let me tell you something. Complaining doesn't find solutions. Complaining doesn't find solutions. You're not going to find a solution complaining about it. You're going to find solutions by praying about it. What was Moses' response to the bitter place? What did Moses do when they began to complain? He cried out to the Lord. <coughs> he cried out to God. God, we're in a bitter place here. We don't have water substance to take care of us. What are we going to do here? Let me tell you something. Bitterness kills your joy. It doesn't kill the joy of the person you're bitter at. You're the one who's lost the joy, not the one you, you're angry at. Listen, you're going to find a lot of people in this walk in serving Christ that will make you mad. Somebody in this church is going to tick you off. They're going to make you frustrated. You're going to look at them and just want to give them a piece of your mind. Come on now, don't. I've seen some of you. I've seen some of you give your peace of mind. In church. I've had some of you come to me and tell me how bad that other person is. They lost. Bitterness takes your joy. It doesn't affect the person you're bitter at. It takes your joy. And the children of Israel find themselves in this bitter place and their joy is stolen. Note that. Their joy is stolen. They've lost hope. They've lost peace. They've lost the strength. They've lost the desire. They have, this place of bitterness has brought destruction to them personally. Moses doesn't join in the complaining. But he goes to God for a solution. And God shows Moses a tree. I'm just fascinated by this. You know God is powerful enough. To just go to. Just speak over the waters. And say they're okay Moses. It's all better now. Go ahead drink the waters. They're no longer bitter. He has the power to do that. But I feel like God is trying to show in the Old Testament something that connects to the New Testament. Because this is not the first time God used a tree to heal anybody, to heal people. This isn't the first time that a tree was used to bring healing emotionally, spiritually, and physically. We come to the New Testament and God used a tree. To hang his son on a hill called Golgotha. And he made bitter waters sweet again. God showed Moses a tree. And he said take this tree and throw it into the water. And the waters will become 
sweet so you can drink it. And Moses does exactly what God commands. And he throws the tree into the water. And all of a sudden a miracle happens. And the people move from complaining to be to drinking the water. Because God heals the waters that are bitter. God heals the waters that are bitter. Man, matter of fact, sometimes I want to praise the Lord for people who brought me to a place where I needed God to show me he could heal me like that. I praise God for the people who made me mad and got me to this place of bitterness, who, who got me to a place where I felt like I wanted to complain and not praise because I thank God today that I've got healing in my heart that I never would have had had I never come to this place. Some of you need to start praising God that you come out of your bitter place and praise the Lord for the person who brought you there. Amen? Because God heals them places. He heals them in your heart. And when you see them, you're no longer angry or frustrated about them anymore. Why? Because God's a perfect healer. Isn't it fascinating that God gave this beautiful phrase in this passage, For I am the God who heals you. I am the God who heals you. How powerful is this wonderful phrase that God heals. He gives it in this passage of bitterness. God's a healer of bitterness. He heals broken situations. He heals. He, he will heal broken marriages. He will heal. He will heal broken hearts. He will heal broken lives by sin and ungodliness. He will heal broken minds that are broken in their thought process. God is a healer. Just like Moses used the tree, you and I have a tree we look to. Mm, that deserved a better amen than it got. Lord, I don't think they're on the same page, Father. I, I need you to get them on the same page. Father, this, is not, this isn't just a, a coincidence, my dear Christian. God gave us a tree to throw into our bitter waters. He gave us a way to get heal, healing of our bitterness and our setbacks and all the things that come against us. Listen, you're going to be attacked on every side. The enemy's going to come in at every angle. And there's going to be opportunities for you to harbor more bitterness and be angry and be frustrated. And to, be, and to cast all kinds of bitter thoughts and bitter words on people's lives. But you don't need that anymore. God says, I'm going to heal you. You don't have to have that in your life anymore. You can be whole in your heart and in your life. God showed him a tree. And then God healed him. Can, can, can you go back to the verse, the last, go back to the last verse, Caleb, please. And said, if you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God. And do what is right in his sight. Give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you. Isn't that powerful? Now get this. Just up the road. Just up the road past this place of bitterness. 
is the water they're looking for. Get this. Then they came to Elam, where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. So they camped there by the waters. They first came to this place where it was impossible to drink. And then God heals it. And then they're able to come to the place where it's, it's just blessings. You see, many of you are missing your Elam because you're stuck in your Mara. Some of you can't get past your Mara to get to your palm trees. When you should be sitting under the palm tree drinking from the wells of Elam, you're still sitting there sulking and whining and complaining and fussing and fighting and, 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 and spewing evil out of your mouth in Mara. Regurgitating it, talking about it constantly, living in it every single day, constantly reminding everybody else you've been hurt. Everybody needs to know how hurt I've been and what they've done to me. Listen, I know people hurt people, but you've got to get your tree in your Mara. Amen? Get your healing for God is a healer and you can be whole tonight. And when you think about where you've come from, it doesn't have to be anger and frustration and bitterness anymore. It can be healing and thank God that he can heal you to a place that you no longer look at your past the way you look at it be looked at it before. Amen. Sister Amy, would you come to the piano please? God wants to bring you past Mara. Now get this. Let me, just, let me just bring this down to a practical place here because God has brought them out of this continual cycle of Egypt. They were bound up. Egypt is that type of sin that binds them up and they can't get deliverance and, and they had evil taskmasters and the bondage even intensified when they were trying to shake themselves free and get deliverance. Now, have you ever found that to be true? When you try to get out, it seems to hold on to you even tighter. They came out of that. God brought them out of that. God brought you out of that. You all have your own Egypt. God brought them out of Egypt and brought them to the Red Sea. He was a cloud by day and fire by night. And when they could not cross, God said, listen, you're not the deliverer. I am the deliverer. Let me show you who I am. And an east wind blew and split the Red Sea, dried up the ground and let them walk through. And the Egyptians were swallowed up by the deliverance of God and then you can expect this you can expect that after you have come out of Egypt and after you have seen a miracle in your life that down the road a bitter place is coming a bitter place is coming so you need to learn how to put your tree in your water so that way you can get to Elam and just live in the blessings of the Lord can you look at your neighbor and ask them if you don't know their name it's a good time to ask them what their name is
I want you to shake their hand. Hold their hand, please. And I want you to tell them, let it go. Let it go. Look at him, say, let them go. Let it go. You don't have to live there anymore. You don't have to dwell there anymore. God has an Elam for you. Amen. Let's stand together. Father, you're the one who brings sweetness in our bitter places. You're the one who can change the circumstances of our life. You are the God that heals us. And I ask God for a healing, a rich, deep, purifying healing in this house tonight. Healing from people who have hurt us. People who have offended us. People who have attacked us. I ask for healing tonight. Spiritual healing from sin. There are people in this place tonight who are probably still living in their Egypt, God. Will you deliver them tonight? Will they say yes to you? Will they walk out of their Egypt, Father? Will you bring deliverance to them? The power is there, Father, and I ask that you would do it tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed, please. Please don't look around. This is a very important time. If you don't have Jesus in your heart and life and you know know that you're not living the way you're supposed to be living for the Lord you know that if Jesus was to come right now you might not make it if that is you my dear friend but you feel in your heart the tugging of the Holy Spirit you feel God beckoning to you saying I want I want to save you come to me Bring all your life and let me heal you. You feel that from the Lord. If that is you tonight, I don't want you to raise your hand. Every eye bowed, every every head bowed, every eye closed. I want you to look up at me. Just look at me. Look at me. Anybody in here needs to give their heart to Jesus. Look up at me. Maybe this message has been for you tonight and you've been in a bitter place. You've been living in Amara and God is trying to take you to Elam and the Holy Spirit has spoke to you tonight. I want you to look at me. Look at me and then put your head right back down. A lot of people. A lot of people. We're going to have an altar call because tonight we're going to let it go. Come on, let's do it right now. Can we come down to this altar? Come on, if you need to let some things go, come let them go tonight. If you need to let it go, let it go tonight. No longer holding on to 